0: If you're a first time, don't worry too much about this big name like Messiah Prophecy and things like that. We're going to make it easy and and make you understand. So we're continuing uh, the series on the Messianic Prophecy. And before this series, uh, we study the spiritual gifts. And one of the spiritual gifts um, that we study is the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now, the spiritual gift of prophecy we mentioned the other Sunday is very different than messianic prophecy. What are fundamental differences? The spiritual gifts are given to us, to all of us in the New Testament to edify one another, to encourage First Corinthians. But everyone who prophesies speaks to each other, men, for their strengthening Encouragement and comfort. That's what prophecy is, spiritual prophecy. However, the messianic prophecy are given by the prophets of the Old Testament who received the word directly from God. What does this mean? It's in the Bible. It's not you and I's interpretation. What was spoken by God, the prophecy is written in the Bible, nothing else, no interpretations. What's in the Bible is messianic prophecy. I mean, we talk about Christmas uh, time soon, and it's a, I guess, in about a week or so, uh, we're going to be hearing about Christmas carols on the radio and things like that. It's, it's weird, you know, we're all in the spirit of the Christmas, the birth of Christmas, but in behind it all, it's the messianic prophecy, and that is the reason why. We are here. We understand that He is the Son of God, that He came here to save us as a baby Jesus. And that's basically what it is. So, what are the difference? The spiritual gift that we talk about a few months in the series were given to us through the Holy Spirit. Again, to edify the church, to edify one another. Messianic prophecies are given to us by God to foretell the coming of Christ, is what God said. Too often, you know, we get all this confused with the people uh, who are not the prophets of Old Testament trying to say, I know when Jesus is coming. You know, I received this from God. Um, that may be so, some people have that, uh, that uh, gift that God has given, uh, but that's not exactly what we're talking about here. So in this series, we will be talking about his uh, or we, Last week we talked about the, his lineage, which is genealogy, the birth, which we're going to be talking about today, his office, his deity, his ministry, being mistreated, misunderstood, his crucifixion, salvation, and ascension. So basically, the Messianic prophecy is about how our God has foretold in the New Old Testament the coming of Jesus and how they have been fulfilled in the New Testament. So last week, we talked about the lineage, the genealogy of Jesus. It starts from God himself, then to Adam Adam to Abraham, Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to David, and that he will be born, he will come from the tribes of Judah. They were all foretold in the Bible that we discussed. The Bible, the Old Testament, and became uh, fulfilled in the New Testament. So we kind of talked about kind of interesting, which I kind of thought was really interesting. I hope you find you interesting too, that from Adam to Abraham, it was about 2,000 years It wasn't that long. Some people think it's a million years. No, it's not a million years. It's 2,000 years. And from Abraham to Jesus, is about 2,000 years also. You combine it, it's 4,000 years. So Jesus' lineage, Jesus' genealogy goes back 4,000 years. How long is yours? That's what we discussed, right? What is the significance of all this? And I think I mentioned that uh, last week that when I went back to my father's hometown in South Korea, I found out that my lineage goes back, written, documented, recorded, lineage goes back to 600 years. I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. However, my lineage is far, far more than 600 years. This is what you need to understand, or what we need to understand. Adam was given. Life, how? By breath of the Holy Spirit. You can't just say, well, he's not in my blood. He's, or she's not in my blood, so we don't really count. No. The Bible is about the power and the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. So from the day one, so to speak, God breathed his Holy Spirit to give life to Adam. And at the very end, 4,000 years later, when Jesus was born, how was he conceived? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that makes our lineage 6,000 years. That 4,000 plus for us from the time of Jesus to today is roughly 2,000 years. That's 6,000 years of lineage we have. How come we have that lineage? Because when you are born again, you're born again with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we are called what? We are called his children. We are in his lineage. That matters to God. We are, all of us, we are in royal family. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise or tell you you're nothing. You are in a royal family. You have that blood that tied to Jesus all the way to Abraham because we have been born again through the power and the presence and work of the Holy Spirit. Don't you forget that. So today we will talk about the birth of Jesus, but more importantly, more specifically, the timing of his birth and what it means to us today. That's what we want to focus on it. Because most of you already know how Jesus was born. Most of you already know that in the Bible it was already foretold. Well, let's revisit that. Yeah, there's a lot of things in the Bible about Jesus you already know. But I bet most of you do not really know or have heard the timing Of Jesus' birth, how the timing of Jesus' birth was foretold in the Bible. Everybody understands that yeah, he, was, he was foretold that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, born of a woman, born of a virgin, that he'll be called Emmanuel, he'll be exiled in Egypt. It was all foretold, and you know that's happened, so therefore we sing all these wonderful, glorious uh, Christmas carols and songs during the Christmas time. But there is amazing, amazing insight about the timing of his birth. And what it means to us today. So why is this helpful? First of all, showing you the proof does not always increase your uh, faith. So we know that. Because the Bible talks about what is more important is believing without seeing. Believing things with the proof, with seeing things, is not as greater than the pe- believing without seeing. So I really want our faith to be to be able to connect with a God without saying, but it's always helpful to understand the insight and the knowledge in order that we can get confidence. This way you can connect the messianic prophecy with the spiritual gift of prophecy. Once you have that confidence, then we can exercise our spiritual gift of prophecy through the knowledge of the messianic prophecy. So let's begin with his birth, something that you already know. It's like going to school. When you go to school, and when I went to, not maybe not high, junior high school, but uh, 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 high school, they study geometries and algebra, things like that, and you know, you know, algebra, geometry, or whatever. That it's all like one plus one equal to one, simple real applications. But they don't teach you that. They teach you like theorems, hypotheses. I hated that. I wasn't very good at coming up with this, the theorems and hypotheses and how everything's derived. Just tell me one plus one equals two, then I can I know how to apply it. That's why I'm an architect, I'm an engineer. I like to apply. I don't know. I don't think about scientific stuff that helps. But some of you are. So it's like school, you know. It's it's just understanding the 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 actual the birth of Jesus, how it was all foretold. It's just trying to understand in the Bible that it was all foretold. And later on, we can have the fun part, the core application. So how do you know? Um, how much do you know about the, uh, uh, the, how his birth was foretold? And, and, and we have a mix of audience here. So, most of you probably already know. Some of you would say, well, I know her, like he's the son of God or something like that. And, but let me just go through that. And then once we're done with that, we get into some kind of application. First of all, he was born in Bethlehem. He was born of a woman. He was born of a virgin. His name was to be called Emmanuel. Uh, he had to retreat to Egypt to save himself, and many, many more prophecy about uh, Jesus was told in the Bible. So let's look at this, a few things, so put that out the way so we understand, okay? So, there is a chart up there that says, the, 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 the uh, first one is born uh, uh, in Bethlehem, which we kind of looked at the other uh, week. The, the first, uh, second column is about messianic prophecy, and then the one on the right is a fulfillment in the New Testament. So Micah 1, 2 basically said, But Jew oh Bethlehem, Ephrathah, some small little town, Yet in that town, a ruler of Israel will come from the distance past, meaning long time ago, from the Adam days. So it was already foretold this ruler of Israel will come and will be born in Bethlehem, was foretold. That's messianic prophecy. How was it fulfilled? In Matthew, remember, Matthew is the New Testament, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So there is fulfillment. Let's talk about how Jesus was born of woman. Why is that significant? Its, was just born? born of man, born of woman? Genesis 3:15, "And I will put enmity between you and the woman. who is, this? Who is you? It's the serpent. That, that created this all the trouble. Uh, for us, and between your offspring and your offspring, your, offspring and hers, the woman, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Who is this he? The he is the offspring of woman. Jesus will eventually crush you. You may do a little things like giving him suffering and betraying him, which he all did. The Satan did all that, but eventually. Jesus will crush your head. Did it really happen? Colossians uh, 4 to 4, verse 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of woman. Remember, notice here, born of woman. Born under law. Do you know the, why is the Bible says the born of woman and born of law? Well, born of woman, the fact is Mary. Yeah, Mary is a bloodline. He came out of Mary's womb. So it's just his blood is mixed in there. But why is the importance of born under law? The law is Joseph, the father's the line. But Joseph did not have union with Mary. So technically it's not a bloodline. But it was conceived through the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph was legally married to Mary. Jesus is under the law, born under the law. Born a virgin, to be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. In Matthew 1, it recites it. It actually happened. Whatever was foretold in the Old Testament, It happened. Matthew one twenty three, the virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was a prophecy saying that Jesus will, be, will spend some time in Egypt. Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I call my son. And Matthew 2, 14 through 15 says, So he got up, uh, took the child and his mother during the night. What's he talking about? What the Bible is talking about here. This is time when the king Herod declared to kill all the first sons in Christ. Jesus with the help of his mother escape to Egypt during the night and left for Egypt. Well, he stayed until the death of Haral, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I call my son. So that's basically some of the examples of Messianic prophecy and how it was fulfilled. That's why you're sitting here, because you believe in this. Now, most of you know this. But what is amazing is that the timing of the birth of Jesus was also clearly, clearly foretold, down two years. This messianic prophecy of timing has great significance to our daily Christian living. So I want you to read this with me. I want you to pay attention just for a few moments. Get your brain working a little bit. And uh, you, you'll be surprised how much you can understand and comprehend. Okay. Daniel 9.24. Now it talks about the timing. 77. I'll get to that later. Are decreed for your people. Whose people are they? It's people, the Israelites. And your holy city, which is the holy city, Jerusalem, to finish transgression. The troublesome, challenging times that they have. To put an end to the sin. You're getting there? You understand? The drift. It's a tone for wickedness to bring in everlasting righteousness. It's kind of overall statement. Bring in Everlasting righteousness. I think you understand. You understand what it's talking about, right? It's everlasting. Someone who will live forever. I wonder who that is. To seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So here you understand, you understand the drift, but let's look at the timeline here. What is the significance of a seven of sevens? Seventy of sevens. Basically, without getting all the details, each seven means seven years. Some Bible basically talks about like seven weeks, but it really is interpretation is the years. I won't get into all of that. The exact details, I don't really know myself, but basically seven means 7 years 7 times 7 years equals 490 years basically what he's saying in 7 sevens 77 the 490 years after the decreed that decree would define what it is in next verse Something great is going to happen. The most high, the holy one, who will last forever. The righteousness will come. That's 490 years later. But when you look at the next verse, 25, that 70 of seven years, that 490 years, broken down to seven of sevens and 62 of sevens, that's First seven, because seven is seven years. Seven times seven is 49 years. And 62 of seven is 434 years. It's broken down. So next verse, Daniel 9, 25, defines what they are. Know and understand this. And then it's a column there. That means it's a strong statement. You need to understand this. This is a... Messianic prophecy. This is God speaking to us right now. From the issuing of the decree. What decree is that? To restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. What is that? That was the time when uh, the Nehemiah were uh, exiled in the Babylon. They spent out there for 70 years. And they were coming back to Jerusalem, and they went, came to Jerusalem. What happened to Jerusalem? The entire castle and the walls were all broken down. The gates were burned. And Nehemiah just, just, just got crushed and appealed to God that his desire, God, what is my purpose in life? That is to rebuild Jerusalem. And there's issuing of decree from that point to restoring and rebuilding Jerusalem until what? Until anointed one. It's a capital anointed, capital owned one. The ruler comes, there will be seven sevens, the 49 years, and 62 sevens. In other words, first 49 years, the Jerusalem will be completely restored, rebuilt, which happened. Show you a little later. It will be rebuilt with the streets and trench, but in times of trouble. Verse 26 After 62 sevens, which is 434 years, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. That's when the anointed one is crucified. And no longer here, but in the heaven. The start of this timing is from the issuing of decree to restoring the and rebuilding this Jerusalem, which took 49 years. It's in the Bible. From the time, the another 434 years to the coming of anointed one. Christ Jesus. Then verse 26 says after 434 years that's 62 of 7 the anointed one will be cut off meaning the Savior's death of the cross. So look at the chart to have a better understanding. 457 BC is when God commissioned we will rebuild the city of Jerusalem. It took 49 years, if you look at sort of like the bottom one, bottom picture, 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem, which was done. And from that point on, another 62 weeks or sevens, which is 434 years, look at the bottom of it, that's when Jesus was anointed. And then another seven. Well, let me just say, what do you mean by another seven? When you add up 49 years and 434 years, that's only 483 years. It does not come up to 490 years. And this is when the next verse, verse 27, explains that gap. 27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one additional seven. In the middle of the seven, the seven years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offerings. So if you look at the chart, in the middle of the uh, seven years, that's when he was crucified. So if you look at the whole thing, it's exactly 490 years as it was foretold the time of Nehemiah, when he came back, when the people came back. To Jerusalem. That's what God promised them. For the significance. That it's rebuilding. Jerusalem is rebuilding the people. That means a reconciliation. It's a restoration. Not only for the people at that time. For us as well. His promise. That he will rebuild us. That we, he will restore us. So what does this mean for us? Our God is God of timing. Whatever trouble that you're in right now, whatever challenge that you're facing right now, there is his timing and a purpose. This is what our God wants you to understand and to believe in. This messianic prophecy of the timing of Jesus' birth gives us the assurance that we too need to wait on God's timing with a total confidence. Look how marvelous, how great God is in foretelling down to years when his son will come and when he will be crucified, take away all the sins. Sin no more, he says. What is the importance of all this? Simply know that God is with you. Every detail of the way, down to places, down to what you will be doing, and down to the exact timing. That's the Confidence that God wants you to have. When I was in the hospital, not knowing what would happen to me, and some couple of people here, first time, who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I was in the hospital for six months waiting for a transplant. I had no idea what was going to happen to me. I will probably die. Maybe I'll get healed. Maybe I'll get the transplant. Whatever the case may be, I had no idea. I did not know the timing. But through reading the Bible, I had a confidence that he will show compassion and deliver me from it in his time, not my time, as long as I fear him. So when I was reading a simple just um, poem, poetic words from the Bible, like psalm it encouraged me so much that it's going to happen in his time. Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. You know how much this was uh, assurance to me? That he has a compassion, even though I was at a pit. The lowest point in my life where they say, Tim, your heart is bad. Anyway, you have to open your chest and take out your hand and throw away the trash can and find something else, put it in there. Even in the midst of all that, when I was reading this, the Lord is a compassionate. I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know when he's going to heal me. I don't even know what he's going to take me to, his, to, to home in heaven. But to reading this, the Lord is compassionate, is gracious, is slow to anger, is abundant in love, that this will come in his time for me. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is love for those who fear him. Remember, there's, there's some condition that's attached to this. Our grace that we have received, this a free gift. There's no condition. But there's condition. If you want to receive what I have already planned for you, you need to honor him. You need to fear him. Verse 13 is Father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Honor him. Love him. Worship him. Fear him to receive the compassion that you all desire. Yes, at that time I did not know when he would show his compassion. But I did know that in his time, He will show the compassion. His compassion does not always mean the healing. What is important is that he will show his compassion one way or the other in his time, his way. His compassion could simply be, Tim, it's your time. To come home. To be with him. You know, actually, I was okay with it. But when I thought about my two girls at that time, were like three, four years old, I told God, i like your compassion to be a little defined. Save me so I can save them. <laughs> you, can, you can request those things, you know. But more importantly, I ask him to give me purpose. Which brings to the second point as to why we are studying his messianic prophecy. It's also his timing is always about accomplishing his purpose. Timing and the purpose go together. Sacrifice and resurrection, they go together. Don't just take one. Too often people say, I believe in God, I believe in resurrection, oh, but I don't want to sacrifice. I want God to restore me and lift me up, but I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to help people. Jesus sacrificed. Therefore, there is a resurrection. Without sacrifice, there is no resurrection. It's about purpose. If God had a clear timing and purpose for Jesus, Jesus, then he has to have a clear timing and purpose for you. Because you are his children. We are in his lineage. The purpose. Could be simply bring us back home now. As he did with Jesus. The other perhaps, is to give us a plan, plan to prosper us, not to harm us, plan to give us hope and future, when in his time. In summary, just as the spiritual gift of prophecy is to edify the church, edify each other, When you see how this amazing timing of the birth of Christ is foretold, we can use this knowledge of the messianic prophecy to serve others, to encourage, to strengthen each other's faith. If you don't know when you will be able to overcome the troubles and challenges that you're facing right now, if you don't know how, you will be able to overcome it. One thing is this. One takeaway from to this morning's message is this. It will be done in his time. And don't mess up. Honor him, fear him. It will be done in his time. Remember the song? In his time. In his time. In his time. He makes all things beautiful. In his time. Lord please show me. Every day. As you are teaching me. Your way. That you do. Just. What you say. In your time. In your time. In your time. You make all things beautiful. In your time. Lord my life to you. I bring. May each song. I have. To sing. Be to you a lovely thing in your time. Be comforted that our Lord, our God, will make everything beautiful in his time.